All right. Welcome back to the Real Quick with Mike Swick podcast. Today we have a comedian extraordinaire, one of my favorite comedians in the world, a uh, friend of mine I met in 2017, and I have been consistently harassing him to get him on my podcast. Finally, today we got him. Russell Peters. Uh, again, I don't need to go into his accolades. You you all know who he is. He's one of the most famous comedians in the world. He was on the Forbes list as one of the highest paid comedians for years. Um and uh yeah big fan looking forward to the conversation so let's get started russell welcome to the show buddy well hello michael swick <laughs> thanks for doing right, the show let me ask you this have you permanently moved to thailand now yeah yeah i did That's it. and i'm stuck here now because the quarantine so like i can't even like i mean even as like a tourist i can't come to america because like, they won't let me back in here so i gotta wait till this entire thing is over with now so i'm stuck away from everybody no, that's good. You don't want Swick to get sick. <laughs> <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Hey, listen, I don't have any questions for you first before anything. Okay, man, go ahead. Take over. What's your hometown? Houston, Houston, Texas. Are you from Houston? Are you about to roast me, man? I have a bad feeling I'm like an audience <laughs> member right now. No, no, I just, I always thought you were from Northern California because you're an AKA guy. I'm a Polish, I'm Polish, so if you want to go on there somehow. Um, but yeah, are no, you a, I moved, I moved to California. Are you a real Polish? Yeah, my my I'm not, but like my great grandparents and my grandparents were from Poland, and and then like gen- nah, my, my last two count. generations. Doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't count. I'm American. I'm pretty much American, but I, I grew up in small town Texas, and then moved into the city, and then I moved to San Jose, California, for the fight team. So I went from Texas to California, and then started training at AKA, and then rest is history, man. Training hard, and were you, were you at AKA when Kung Lee was there? Yeah. Kung Lee actually helped me for one of my biggest fights against uh, David Loazzo when I was fighting for the number one contendership. I remember David Loazzo. Yeah. Yeah, I had a big fight with him, and, and he was real good with a spinning back kick. And so Kung Lee came in and, and helped me work on my spinning back kick. And it turned out I not only dodged all of his spinning back kicks, but I actually landed a couple. So it turned out to be a really good knife for me. It was actually really good. Yeah. Kung's kicks are deadly. Yeah. People don't realize that guy— scary, scary. Yeah, even when you block a Kung Lee kick, it's it's like it's getting like getting hit with a baseball bat. I mean, like you can block it, but it's not fun. It still hurts. <laughs> it's like crazy. Yeah, ask Frank Shamrock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he broke his arm. Jesus. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a great example, actually. That's yeah. a really good example. So, so we we talked right before the podcast, and like I had saw one of your specials. Um, on Netflix, it was, it was an old one, but you were you talked about because uh, you were in your bedroom for the going to do the podcast, your actual bedroom, and where the magic happens. And uh, and then uh, I asked you about did you really buy a, a a castle bed because you had talked about in your skit that you bought your daughter a castle bed. <laughs> it's, I did. Sure enough, you take me into the room and there is a castle bed. That's the ten thousand dollar castle bed. <laughs> That's so. There's so to get funny. up to the. Uh, bunk part and there's the slide to come down the question is has she slept in it yet because you're you're complaining she didn't sleep in it for like the first several like months or whatever nine and a half years old and still has not really <laughs> slept in this bed <laughs> that's so funny and now i'm moving and it's not going to come to the new house because the new house has lower ceilings and she has a smaller bedroom oh, so it man. won't fit in the new house well i'm pretty sure you can sell it uh, that's, that's a pretty hefty bed there. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a, that's so funny. So you were the first guy to get a Netflix special. I started the whole process for everybody. 
is it wrong to ask like you know i gotta ask you the questions of like you know i'm so curious about all this type of stuff is it wrong to ask how not you because i know you're one of like the highest paid and you were like on forbes and made all this tons of money so i'm not talking about you specifically and i'm not talking about grinders that like are working their way up that have no name but like you know is a is a mid-level comedian what it like about how much can they make on the road and then also when they get to a netflix level where they have a netflix special what is that like? Right. like? Like as far as pay, like is it is it like a, a per view? Like if it gets a lot of views, they get paid more, or is it a flat fee, or like how does that work? Just just roughly. I, I know you can't get too detailed. It, but. it depends on who you are, but it's a flat fee, and they own it forever. Gotcha. And uh, you know that's what Monique's beef was: is that they offered her five hundred thousand dollars, and she was like, "Look, I've won an I've won an Academy Award. I've done this. I've done that." But they're like, "We're not hiring you as an actor. We're hiring you as a comic." And as a comic, you've never really done anything that made us go, wow. Yeah, crazy. So offered what they thought she was worth. They do tend to undervalue guys and girls or overvalue some people sometimes that, uh, you know, sometimes they pay for a name who's not necessarily going to have a good special or is that good of a comic. Right. And then sometimes they undervalue guys that are names and don't give them enough money for their special. So it's a, it's a tangled web they're weaving over there <laughs> you know look they gave chris rock uh 20 chris rock and dave spell 20 million a special Holy every time they drop shit. a special 20 million damn and they offered eddie murphy 50 million for his special see i asked you this because like it seems like be- when you have like a, a membership based algorithm and, and it's like viewership technically a comedy special if it's an hour long and a movie is an hour and a half long if if the comedy special gets as many views as a movie, but a movie costs a hundred, you know, not a hundred, but like maybe twenty million dollars to produce or something, you know what I mean? Like it's still the comedy special is still more valuable as far as viewership goes. So the money should be almost like almost as good as like what you would get in a movie if it's a really good comedy special. Which, as you just said with Dave Chappelle, yeah. obviously it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, again, they they they're, they kind of look at it as who's the marquee name that's going to bring people here to watch this, right? Even listen, even if Chris or Seinfeld or any of those guys really dropped a special and it was a turd, it doesn't matter. They're still going to be the big names, and people will give them a pass. Be like, ah, eh, that one wasn't so good. Let's wait for the next one. Right, right. But me and some other guys, we drop a turd. They're like, ah, oh, he's falling off. And you're like, what? No, what? <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes we think we're not. We, we think we're dropping something good. You know? Yeah. But my latest special was on Amazon. Your latest one? Yeah. I gotta check that out, man. I'm 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 stuck in Thailand, so I don't get like the regular TV stations. So I have like Netflix is like my main go-to thing, and then like it doesn't allow me to have some of these others. You don't get Amazon Prime over there? I think I can. I, I haven't looked into it, but but I think I can. Um, but like I tried the Apple one, and it said that it's not available in my area, which is weird. So I guess in Thailand you can't get. I don't know. It just wouldn't let me sign up. Yeah, Apple is is different though. I think, but um, you can also get like a. Uh uh what's it called a vpn yeah i could try that yeah that might yeah, I, that's where i'm on the road i use a vpn so that way i can access things back home so when you say when you say like you dropped a stinker you bombed or something like that like obviously i know you, you must have bombed in your career and stuff but you're so good at what you do and you're so great at interacting with people and stuff what is it that causes a comedian to bomb and then like is it just mental like you just make a mental mistake and then once you bomb it's just like a domino effect. It's hard to come back from that. 
Because, I mean, you probably can bomb, like, or you have probably bombed, and then killed the very next set. So it's not like anything changed yeah. in, as far as your, 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 you know, your skill set. What, what is it that causes right. you to actually bomb, and, like, and then how do you handle it? It's kind of like, you know, when you meet somebody and your timing is off, it's like, let's think about, like, fighting. You know, you go into the gym one day, and, you know, you go to whatever. Say you're going to have a light sparring session. And every time you throw something, the guy's not there. Right. You know, you throw on you're like i could usually hit this guy with this punch but your timing is off yeah and then you reset a whole next day and then you go and spar with the exact same guy and you'll tap him and you'll get him every single time yeah it's the same in comedy have a bad night yeah but when you're shooting if you have a bad night don't use it (laughs) you know what i mean yeah but then again all people are finicky so they're like oh you know i heard that i'm like no you didn't there's no way you heard that because I'm just recording it now for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sucks when they say that. I can see that. Like, I've met people before and had a conversation, and then, like, I was just in a pissy mood or some weird thing happened. And then I left, and I was like, man, that guy probably thinks I'm such an asshole or such an idiot or something. Like, maybe I say something stupid or, or something, and it was just totally, like, random. So I totally can understand kind of how that happens. It just seems like, guys, with your experience, like, I've seen, like, you told a joke on that same special I was talking about, and then you just covered it you were just like ah well that that missed or that went over his head and then you went right back into it and just didn't skip a beat and it was like nothing happened you know it, was, it wasn't and then i've been to like the comedy store and a guy bombs and then it's like he just keeps bombing and you just feel so awkward for him you're just sitting there and you're almost like shrinking in your chair because you just feel so bad and he just keeps trying right. and it just and even though he's trying it's just it seems like that domino effect is happening and he's just getting like it's just getting worse and worse yeah but here's the thing like when you're a pro when you start bombing, you start to accept the bombing and right. you try to make fun of yourself for bombing. And you can sometimes turn it around from that. Yeah. How is the how is it getting used to the nerves of that? Like obviously getting out and fighting, it was like a slow process of like getting used to bigger stages. But the thing is with us is like when you get punched in the face, I think Mike Tyson, your boy Mike Tyson said it best, you know, a lot of times your, your game plan goes out the window, but it's not necessarily that as much as like once you start getting in the actual fight, then it's so violent and it's so in your face it it really takes away everything else but like we share some we share something in common like we both we both was in the o2 arena which is a gigantic stage you know or or, uh arena and you you performed there and i was just i just fought there but it's like for you to be standing there in front of that many people i just fought there (laughs) you were fighting at the o2 arena in the ufc yeah, but I'm just saying, like, I, you know, was, I was part of a show, and, and, and it was, like, fighting, and, and once, you know, I fought a tough guy in Ben Saunders, and he was, like, punching me, and, and we got the crowd out of our head quite easily. You carrying that crowd, and, like, the entire time, all eyes on you, and, like, you're making them laugh, you're making them react, like, it's just you. Like, how do you, how do you get over that? I would think it'd be harder for you to get used to that kind of pressure than a fighter, because we, once the fight starts, like I said, there's more important shit going on than an audience. But for you, it's like you're playing off the audience the entire time, and it seems like it'd be a lot harder to, like, to be able to get over those nerves walking out there in front of so many people afraid of that bomb, you know? Well, it's, it's the same as fighting. Like, you know, I don't know if you know, but I boxed amateur for nine years. And and I and I do jujitsu with this and fella you did right jiu-jitsu, here. Yeah, and um, it's the same. And like I always liken it more to boxing because boxing is one of those things where you're scared shitless before. Like, and I would just spar with guys. It wasn't like I was yeah. going to have fights. I was <laughs> yeah. just I was the guy sparring with guys in the gym. And, and you know these guys would take it easy on me for maybe the first thirty seconds, and then they would see that I was trying to go in. They'd be like, Oh no no, 
and they'd put me back in my place. You know what I mean? Because you get a little confident, like, oh, I think I see an O-wing, pop, and then you're like, and they're like, oh, is that is that how you want to do this today? Yeah. And you're like, oh, not my fault, my fault, you know. <laughs> and then they light you up real yeah. quick. But um, it's the same thing though. You're like scared because like fuck, fuck, fuck. <clears throat> then the first time you get hit, you're like, okay, well that's over now. That's that's out of the way. Let's just go. You know. Yeah. The first hit is the one that fucks you up because yeah. it's the one that you're like, your body goes, it, yep. it puts you into a different headspace. As soon as you get hit, you're like, okay, I won't feel anything after this now. Yeah. It, your brain goes into a survival mode where it's like, all right, you can hit me and uh, it's probably going to hurt, but I'm not going to know it's going to hurt till tomorrow. Right. Unless you get that liver shot that really hurts. <laughs> yeah, there's a few of those shots that really hurt, but it's almost like the anticipation when you go into a fight. You know, you're 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 kind of like expecting but not knowing for sure what what's going to happen or how it feels until it happens. And then once it happens, you're kind of like more comfortable like, okay, that's that's all that's like the worst case scenario. He just jacked me up pretty hard and and I took it. So let's just yep. get this thing going and then it just then you can kind of yep. focus from there. It's the same comedy, you know, you you you're scared. You're scared. You go out. You get the first laugh. And you're like, okay, I got this. I got this. And you, when you, and I know you what's, had a martial arts. What's your, uh, like, what's, what's your, uh, what's your, um, what's your discipline? Your number one discipline for fighting. I started out in Taekwondo. And that's not my number one discipline, but that's, that's where I started out. And then I, I, I watched a karate kid and I wanted to like beat up the bad guys and get the girl. My mom got me a Taekwondo membership. I saw, I was like, you know, I love sparring. I didn't like doing the like board breaking and katas and stuff like that. Uh, I then moved yeah. into kickboxing, started boxing, got into BJJ, and then like back then when I when I, like I, by ninety eight nineteen ninety eight I had twenty amateur fights already in MMA, so I was having to oh, train wow. at like a boxing gym, a BJJ gym, and a kickboxing gym, and so then like that was all in was that all in Houston? Around Houston, like it was all in the south, like all in the, did, the southern states. Did you know Dominic Gwynn? I, I don't recognize I don't recognize the name. Uh, the heavyweight out of Houston. I was friends. With, I haven't seen him in many years, but we were. I know we're still friends if I see him. But yeah, me and <laughs> me and Eve Edwards. You know Eve Edwards? I know Eve Edwards. Black dude, right? Yeah, he he uh, he trained and fought alongside me, like in in Texas when we first started out. And uh, yeah, it was just like mixed rules and stuff like that. So we had to train at all these different gyms, and then now we have all these super gyms where they have like everything at one gym well, every most most mma gyms obviously are like that and and then that's why i came to thailand to build ak thailand which is like kind of like my dream super gym that has like everything so what's your jiu-jitsu game like it's good you know the thing is i'm a i'm a purple belt uh in gi but i never do gi so like that was as high as i got in my belt for for gi but i was always like the stubborn fighter guy so for like 20 years i've been rolling like no gi so i do well right. with like black belts um me, like medium level black belts, not Brazilian black belts. Like Brazilian black belts murder me, and, and but like American black belts, like I, I can I can oh, hold yeah. my own with mediocre. Yeah, but uh, but with the gi, it's like I'm still yeah. I got a lot I, to learn. I can handle myself as well. You put me with a black belt, I'm fine. You put me with a Brazilian guy, and I'm like, oh boy, they know some, they know shit that we don't it's know. Crazy, yeah. Like I've been to Brazil multiple times, and when you when you go there and roll with those guys, it's like it's it's like just going to the university man you can't even you can't even believe the control they have over your body like it's it's so crazy i mean i train with jean jack um primarily but uh every now and then i'll bring half gracie in to train with i'll roll with half i roll with i've rolled with caesar i know he's up by where you're from mm -hmm. um roll with uh henzo roll with hegan i just had both of them on the of podcast back to back but this those month. guys always just 
spank me. Yeah, of course. It's not even like fair. Yeah. But any of the black belts that they've created, I can roll with them, no problem. Yeah, Hegan is like one of the, he had one of the best fight or matches in history against uh, Hickson back in '86. Uh, yeah. I mean, was, I think it was I think it was '86. Um, we just had a podcast together, and yeah, he's he's a legend. And then Henzo, obviously a legend too. And and Henzo's actually had the most I think MMA fights of all the Gracies, and he still wants to fight. I just had him on the podcast maybe like three or four guests ago, and he's like 50, he's in his fifties, man, and he still wants to fight. He just went to he just Enzo flew to nuts. he just flew to Brazil to fight Wallet Ishmael with no rules. Like like flew there to fight him. Like and didn't tell anybody. It wasn't like a big but media the thing. He took off. The guy didn't fight him. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, the guy the guy got scared. He heard Enzo's flying in to beat him up and he left. You know, I'd probably do the same thing though. <laughs> yeah, but it's Wallet Ishmael. And the thing is, after that podcast, Wallet Ishmael actually messaged me and, and was like, uh, he was so angry. Like he really wanted to like fire back. It, it, it henzo for that like they, they have bad blood for sure like they should definitely fight for some organization that would be a a, a oh. very violent fight for sure bellator should have it or even adcc or something or yeah or uh or uh the the ebi or something whatever i just can't believe that he like he like uh flew there man that's so crazy but it's cool that you train like so you were going to be a fighter which is kind of a well, I guess Brennan did it, but but you were you were trying to be a fighter, and then what was this transition uh, like? Well, I was never going to be a fighter. I I always say because uh, you know I liken it like this: uh, when I was in the boxing gym, I boxed, and then there was guys in there that were fighters. Right. Yeah. There's guys that box, and then there's fighters. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was a guy. I loved boxing. I loved going in. I didn't mind sparring. We could bang it up a little bit, you know. You could break my nose. You did. People did. You know, I split my chin open a few times. But um, the difference between a guy like me who boxed and fighters is the fighter is the guy that's going to be like, yo, we're running at 5 a.m. tomorrow. And I'll be like, yo, I'll see you at 3 p.m. at the gym. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to run? Nope. (laughs) I'm just going to go to the gym. That's crazy. And then, but but you were training for fighting. And then, yeah, I've heard rumors. Well, I've heard you say it in different times that you like break dance and you like other things. What was it that finally got you into to comedy and like and, and and you fell in love with it enough to do it for 30 years well it's first of all it's the most painless out of all of them <laughs> yeah <laughs> it definitely doesn't hurt except for your uh your brain a little bit every now and then but that's fine you could fix that yourself uh it, i don't know i just like uh, i like bringing joy i like making seeing people laugh i like seeing a smile on people's faces i like saying fucked up things to people just to see how they react to it just to be like yeah. did you really believe me on that one don't, don't take that shit seriously you know yeah. yeah and you and you get to pick on everyone that's the that's the that's the cool thing about you man you, you you like you give nobody you give nobody any slack you you attack everyone every race every stereotype everyone in the audience is, yeah. is there's nobody safe in, in your audience i think the biggest complaint i get is when i don't pick on somebody oh yeah yeah by the way have you learned how to speak thai since being there this long a little bit a little bit. As I have 40 really? employees and I still like speak very little Thai. Yeah. It's a hard you language, really... man. I know, but I mean, you're there, dude. Yeah, but, uh, you, but <laughs> How long have you been there? But you got to understand, all my customers are international. So my staff is Thai and most of them speak English. And then I have translators and, and the department heads talk to the to the to um, their departments in Thai. Um, but my, my, my guests are all international and, and probably 80% Russian dialect. So I speak Russian well. Well, decent, not really? well, but decent, yeah. Um, 
so so yeah i know I'll, when you go into your russian dialect jokes i i know i know what you're saying um but uh yeah that that's who i talk to the most is like the guest and so like i speak uh, a little bit of russian and and, and uh and a lot of english Every, most people speak english here so it's just right now we're stuck on an island and i have one of the biggest gyms in the world and no customers because they've locked the borders down so it's not the ideal situation you know it's, it's it's a great optimistic goal to build one of the biggest gyms in the world and then actually build it and make it like successful and then like not cool when it gets shut down and they lock the borders cancel the flight yeah. shut the airports down and you're just sitting here for like six months looking at this big gym like shit <laughs> I'm, i mean everybody's Where suffering Phuket, yeah. Everybody's suffering, but it's like it just sucks this pandemic. Wow. But you well, that sucks. You still got you're still going though, right? You got shows coming up. I got shows this weekend in your native state of Texas. Oh yeah? Yeah. I'm in Addison, Texas this weekend. Oh nice. Which is just I think just a little north of Dallas. Oh, you're gonna have fun making fun of Texans. <laughs> well, it's it, I haven't performed since July. Oh wow. So I don't know. It's kind. Of, it's literally ring rust. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta mentally prepare for this one because I'm not. I don't even feel like a comic anymore because I've been doing so much regular normal shit. You know what I mean? Like I feel like a civilian. Yeah. I feel like when Superman put that crystal and became a regular guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And when you and we were mentioned Thailand a while ago, like uh, I met you in 2017, and then in January 2018, I think it was, you went to Bangkok, and and I, I was hoping you'd come down to Phuket. You didn't have time, or whatever. What did you think about Thailand? Right. Like, like how was your experience in Thailand when when you performed? I always love Thailand. Thailand's a really great. Like Bangkok is an amazing city. Like it's that's literally the city that never sleeps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen a time where Bangkok is asleep. Yeah. And I'm not talking about the weird sex shows or nothing. Yeah. I don't like that weird shit. It just shit doesn't like stop. I don't want to see a razor blade or a fucking ping pong ball come out of there, you know? <laughs> I want to look at all your fake shit that you're selling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to, uh, you know, I want to hang out. You know, uh, I'm, I got some friends out there DJ Buddha and uh, DJ Ono. They, they have that crew out there called Titanium. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And, uh, and so Buddha's from Queens, New York. And Ono's from Vancouver, Canada. So, so when I'm out there, I got both of those guys with me, and they take me around. And boot and Buddha's from his parents are from Thailand, so he speaks Thai perfectly. But when you come back, you're gonna have to hit up Phuket, man. I'll show you the islands and stuff. It's it's a whole different world down here. Like like Bangkok is like one thing, but when you come to Phuket, it's like going to a different country, man. It's 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 a whole different ball game, and it's like beautiful. I mean, the islands, the it, it's like jungle islands, mountains. It's it's, it's it's pretty outstanding. So I'll definitely uh, hook you up when you come back. All right, guys, it's time for the sponsorship break. I'll make it as brief as possible. This podcast is brought to you by AKA Thailand, the world's premier luxury training resort here in Phuket, Thailand, AKA Thailand.com for all information, or you can email info at AKA Thailand.com. As of the taping of this podcast, the 30% special, the reopen special is still going on. You can get all group training for 30% discount. That's a third off, which is going to help pay for your flights, your food, any additional stuff that you want when you get to AK Thailand. Um, it's a huge discount, um, and it's all group training. So you can, you can purchase a week, you can purchase a month, three months, six months, a year. 
um, however much you want. 30% discount right now, uh, no expiration date. You can use it anytime in the future. Uh, 2021, 2022, 2023, it doesn't matter. Uh, if you decide not to come, which is a really bad idea, by the way, um, you can give it to anyone you want. We can transfer it, no problem, no questions asked. Just give us the new name, put it in the POS, transfer it. Your friend or, or whoever you give it to can come and take advantage of the, the, the training, enjoy themselves, make their, their lives better. Uh, make themselves better, uh, reach their goals, create successes of their own at AK Thailand. Um, so definitely check out akthailand.com. The pricing page is already set up to, to uh, do the discount for 30%. If you're not familiar with the, the gym, you haven't seen the podcast, or you don't know what I'm talking about, here's our commercial. What's up, everybody? I am here in Thailand. This is the first time I've ever been here. Been dying to come here for years. Mike Swick, he's one of the big reasons he's been trying to pull me down here. What he built down here, AKA Thailand, is incredible. There's people here from all over the world. You can train mixed martial arts here, jujitsu. They have weightlifting, they have cardio, and obviously they have Muay Thai, boxing, everything. telling you guys, I know everybody wants to go to Thailand because Thailand's so cool, but you can't come to Thailand without coming to AKA Thailand. Come on. What is one of the most unique places you've ever been? As far, kind of you've been all over the world performing, but what, what is one of the most like just crazy places where you were just like, so like, I guess, like beside yourself at like how the culture is or shocked at, at, at how it was there well thailand bangkok's definitely one of those places yeah like uh, just the way they do things is really cool and you know i've been going to bangkok since i think since around 2000 and uh i want to say around 2000 and maybe around 2000 yeah uh so when funny. i would work out of england because england would have they would have these gigs okay those little english or irish pubs in, in bangkok and they would have like a guy from england book these comics from england but i was working out of england at the time so I'd be like, hey, do you want to go to Bangkok? I'm like, hell yeah, I want to go to Bangkok. <laughs> but I, I dig it a lot there, you know. And I always, I always say Thailand is like that place. It's like if India and China became one country, it would become Thailand. <laughs> because, yeah. because the food is very similar. It's like noodles, but they're really spicy and curry. Yeah, you know? it's a mix. Then they, got, uh, then they got the Hindu gods all over the place, you know. Yeah. Um, there's Writing is more similar to South Indian writing. So, it, it, you know, it's, 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 it's like this hybrid country that kind of, uh, that melds both worlds and, and, and makes these wonderful, and everybody's so nice over there. Yeah, super nice. I never met one asshole from there when I was there. Yeah. You'll meet assholes that are not from there, but not the actual Thai people. They're awesome. And they always make you feel like you're, you've come up with the best idea. <laughs> like when I, would order, when I would order breakfast in my hotel room, I'm like, hi, can I order breakfast? Like, oh, breakfast. And I'm like, yes. And it make me feel good about it. I'm like, well, and what would you like, sir? Uh, can I get an omelet? Ooh, omelet. I'm like, yeah, omelet. Fuck yeah. <laughs> She's like, and can I get a cheese? Oh, cheese. And broccoli, broccoli. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah, you want one too? I feel like sharing it with you. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's Thai culture right there. It's funny. We both, we've both been going to Thailand since 2000. Um, but like, yeah, they're the friendliest people in the world. 
but you just don't cross them. Like they're the type of people like you have to really push the boundaries to cross a Thai person. But if you do like these drunk, like uh, Europeans come in here and they get drunk and they, they say stupid stuff and they cross ties. If you cross a tie and like push them past that limit, then like machetes yeah. and axes and like all kinds of shit comes out. Sure. It's like, it's like, uh, like, yeah, it, it's like command and conquer or something. It, it's, it's nothing like anything you've seen. Like it, you definitely don't want to cross the ties for sure, but they're super sweet, super nice, super friendly. You have to really try hard to be a dick to like, to piss them off. It's usually the Europeans that do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'll say everyone. I don't want to just narrow it down to just the Europeans, but, um, well, no, I would say the English because the they can get drunk and they get real cocky. Yeah, they do. You've seen it happen. Yeah, I have. I have. And then they want to wife these. They want to wife these prostitutes out there. You're like, wait, yeah. what? You know, the biggest problem. The funny thing is, the biggest problem is these guys get drunk and they meet a girl and they start like making out with the girl and they start like you know hooking up or whatever and then they find out that the girl's not a girl. This is the number one problem. So when they find right. when they're drunk and they find out that the girl they've been kissing for the last like hour and a half is a guy. That's when they get right. mad. So then that's when they start. And then they want to fight the girl, the lady boy. And then they have to end up fighting like 10. There, I can't tell you how many times I've seen like 15 lady boys beat up like a European guy because like he jumped on one and then they all jumped on him. It's it's yep. it's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting uh, scenario. But yeah, you definitely don't want to mess with them. I'd say for uh, a lot of tourists, the, the one word you should or the one sentence you should find out is, are you a male or a female? Yeah, that would be probably a good first step. <laughs> what were you born? Uh, yeah, that'd definitely be good. Another, another first uh, or another uh, thing we shared in common is you you've toured uh, Iraq and Afghanistan both, correct? Yeah. So I've done a lot of USO tours and AFE tours during my UFC career. What what did you think about that? Like performing for the troops? Like how appreciative are those guys when you show up? Well, you know what's funny is I I did it in two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. They weren't that appreciative when they saw me, to be honest with you. Oh really? Yeah, because I did it in uh, so it was me, Wilmer Valderrama. And Myra Veronica. Um, and it was Thanksgiving 2007. Now, you got to understand, these guys are out there fighting a war. Right. And they got three people to come and entertain them. And none of them are white. <laughs> uh-huh. Wilmer's Colombian. Myra's Cuban. I'm an Indian guy from Canada. And I look like the people they're fighting with. Oh, wow. So I when I and, and I was the only one doing stand up like Wilmer would just be like, hey, I'm famous from TV. Myra's like, I'm a beautiful pinup girl. And I'd be like, hey, guys, they'd be like, what the fuck do you want? And I'm like, uh, nothing. Just oh, happy wow. Thanksgiving. You know, you know, and, I, and because it's because I'm Canadian, they're like, not even your Thanksgiving, stupid. You know, oh, wow. it wasn't the best experience as far as the shows went. But I mean, at least I did something good. Afghanistan was good. But um, some of the other places I did shows, they were like, I was like, eh. they were like, no, no. No, we don't want to see you, buddy. Yeah, maybe it was like in the, the deep stress of the of the of the war. It's a lot of it was that crazy emotion. The war was in full effect at that time. Yeah, so. and you know we we flew in a convoy of Blackhawks. Yeah. Um, in in Iraq, it must have been six of six Blackhawks in a row, and we got locked in on from the ground. So when that happened, our Blackhawk went black inside, went dark. They go, we're get we got locked in on and. The lights go right out in the Black Hawk, and then they shoot flares out the side to uh, get the missile to hit something else. Oh, wow. It was a wild time. Yeah. Yeah, I was in Kandahar, and, and we got attacked on the, on, the, on the airfield by rockets. So in, in like yeah. 
in Afghanistan, they just like drive around the bases and just shoot rockets. I mean, they don't aim them because they can't stop. So they just drive trucks and they just, they just pop these like, uh, these like mortars into the base. And so they start blowing up everywhere. And we, we happen to be on the airfield loading into one of the planes, the one with the like, I don't know exactly which plane it is, but the one with the, maybe it's a C-130 with the, the, the back end that drops. And as soon as we would get right, in, right, right. as soon as we right, get into walking the, through the asshole of it. Yeah, we we walk we like we literally got in and out of the plane more than we flew. Like it, we we went in and then they bombed the airfield. We had to get out, lay on the pavement, which is the fucking craziest thing because it's like when you when you start getting bombed, they make you lay on the pavement of the the airfield. Like you would think you just run like hell into like the the bunker, but you have to stop and lay on the pavement first, which I by a plane, you know, right next to a plane, which is like I would think a target, you know. So I'm like nervous right. as shit laying there, and then after like a couple of minutes, then you run to the bunker, you wait in the bunker, and then we did that like one night it was like three times in a row we had to go back to the plane and and the bombs weren't that close but it was still like it's scary man it, it, people don't realize how scary it is until there's like like rockets being fired oh, in your yeah. direction you know it's like some serious shit it's real yeah. it's real out there and we stayed in one of um saddam's palaces when we were yep. in uh in baghdad camp victory i was there too is you, you saw the big moat around the uh he had all yeah, the water with the big fish, fish in it the big, huge fish. Yeah, yeah. The bread and the fish go nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, stayed there too. Insane. That's so crazy. We stayed in the same place. We stayed in Saddam's palace, dude. That's so freaking amazing. Let me ask you this: Did you get a rash on your ass? I no, I didn't stay in that room. I did. <laughs> me and my brother both got a chapped ass from the from the toilets at Saddam's place. Oh, I'm like super OCD. I probably didn't even touch the toilets. Two months, our asses were issue as fuck. It's it's crazy, isn't? Wasn't it crazy? Did you did they show you how fake everything was? Like the marble and all that wasn't real marble, and like all like the palace. It looks all amazing and like glamorous, but in reality, it's all like cheap material and stuff. No, they never showed us that. They didn't show you that. Like, but you I think we picture me sitting in Saddam's throne and stuff like that. Yeah. And then we got. I felt the building shake one morning because we got something got blew up around us. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Like, and we stayed like in the same place. A big ass solid building, and it went boom, boom, and it just shook. Did you stay in the place, the same palace where they had like that, the room in the center with all of his like uh, presents and stuff, like the vases and all the stuff that he got, his gifts and all that? Because there was a main one right in the center, and, it, and, it, and they said this is where the room where like all the VIPs stay or like ex presidents or something like that. And it's, right? it's, it's, yes, it, I think I did. Yeah, it's and then the toilets are all like gold and look all like amazing. Like yes, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. You get the chapped ass. From fucking gold toilets yeah 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 and he has like 20 sinks because i guess he was ocd or something and he like washed his hands a lot or something so like every bathroom had like so many sinks mm -hmm. it was wild and there was a taco bell there yeah i don't know i didn't see that one in the green zone they had like a taco bell and all kinds of crazy shit like burger king did you go to flintstone village i don't know Oh, okay. There was a Flintstone village that Saddam, so Saddam had killed like some, some, one of his, uh, daughter's husbands or something like, so, like, a, yes, yeah. And so he felt bad for the kids, like the grandkids cause they lost their father. So he built like a right. Flintstone village and it's like an exact replica of the Flintstones. And it's like, you can go and tour it. Of course it's all like damaged and, and all blown up now, but like it was pretty, it's like he built a whole city, like this Flintstone village. But anyway, that's crazy that we stayed in so many of the same places, man. Like, that's wild. And I only met you from Chuck Liddell. I know. Like, that's crazy. It's a small world, man. Small world. Um, and I know like, a lot of people you used to train with at AKF and uh, Northern Cali, like uh, Zoila Frosto. And yep. Wasn't she out there training with you last yeah. year in Thailand? Yeah, she, she was going to actually fight in one of my shows here in Thailand, and she got hurt. 
but yeah, a lot of people from from her gym came up here and trained, and then they fought in my, my one of my promotions I did on the beach. I did like the first like real kind of like uh, fight island. I, I set up like an octagon on the beach, and and we did a big fight show, and and her and her team came, and a lot of them fought yeah. on the on the card and stuff. So yeah, yeah, it's cool, man. Small, small world. See, we didn't we didn't know we knew so much about each other, huh? See, look at this. <laughs> what do you think about the upcoming fight with Mike Tyson and uh, Roy Jones Jr.? So I went to go see Mike uh, about a month ago, watching him train and stuff. And uh, I, first of all, w- would never want to get in that ring. I wouldn't even want to. I wouldn't even want to hold mitts or wear the body armor. Uh, yeah, I'm like hell to the no. <laughs> yeah. So I said to Mike, I said, Mike, man, because I've known him a little while. I was like, Mike, I feel you got you got me feeling bad for Roy Jones. And he goes, Man, don't worry about that fool. He's he's making so much money he could buy himself a fly ass wheelchair after. <laughs> I was like, Damn. he's so honest too, man. I love his podcast. I saw you on Hot Boxing. Oh yeah, I think I was do- I was doing his pilot episodes for him, helping him with it. That's yeah. He's he's so honest on there, like brutally honest. He's a great guy, Mike. Yeah. Maybe it goes with the name, huh? What do you think, Swicky? Yeah, I think it's a good name. And obviously, you follow UFC. I got to leave you with uh, who? Who's your favorite UFC fighters right now? Like, like, what do you think about? Obviously, Khabib and Gaethje's fighting. Tyron Woodley's fighting this weekend. Colby Covington. Um, who are some of your favorite who's, Tyron, who's Tyron fighting Colby he's, he's fighting Colby finally he hates him they hate each other mm. I think I think it's a good fight for both of them because Colby's coming off that loss and uh, and Tyron needs a win but Tyron's been in some wars you know yeah, yeah so that's a tough fight for both but I think if Tyron can get inside Colby's head he could take it and I uh, and I think Gaethje's a bad fight for Khabib He's a tough fight That's for sure. Khabib, right? Yeah, he's a tough fight for sure because he's got that knockout power and he just throws those hands like crazy. And he doesn't give a shit. He's not intimidated by you. Yeah. Gaethje genuinely seems like that guy who's not a – you can't get in his head. Yeah. No, that's for sure. If, if Khabib, he's my teammate, and I always want him to win, and I definitely think he's going to win. If he sticks to the game plan, I think he'll definitely win. But if he gets into like a fight fight where he's just going to brawl and, and, and kind of let play Gaethje's game, it could be a dangerous fight because Gaethje is a savage. I mean, he absolutely is. He's got that style that makes you go into his fucking world. That's the problem. Yeah, and good wrestling too. Yeah, and I, and I don't think – it's not that I don't think um, Khabib can't get you there. It's just that I feel like Khabib might be distracted with the loss of his father and, uh, and you know, all that's going on around him. Um, you know, Khabib's a very emotional guy. Yeah. You know him. I don't. But he seems like an emotional person. And when you're fighting, you can't. You have no room for emotion. Yeah. Because the minute your emotions get involved, you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. It's either going to be a good or a bad thing. I, I think it'll play good for him, but... You never know until you get out there. I mean, it's it's, it's one of those things that he, I think I think even as as a as a fighter himself, I think he doesn't even really know. You know what I mean? Like you never know until you get out there. For me, like I, I use a lot of like uh, you know things that were bad in my life to like f- fire, you know, and 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 cause emotion and passion to make me fight harder. But you never right. know. And, I've seen people do the yeah. opposite and crumble. You know. Yeah, I think if Khabib can harness that and make it work in his favor, Gaethje's gonna have a rough night. Yeah. However, Gaethje looks so fucking solid against Tony that, oof. Yeah, that I was a ridiculous fight. fight. I was like, God damn, they should have stopped that fight in the second, third round. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy, man. And I, and I know you got to go, man. I appreciate you taking the time, but I got to leave you with one question. Obviously, you're an amazing comic, and so aside from yourself, 
Who, who would you say is the GOAT? Who, who would you say is one of the best, your favorite comedians of all time? Well, my favorite comedian of all time is George Carlin. George Carlin. Hands down. Then um, Don Rickles, um, Eddie Murphy. The old school guys. And from the newer school, although he's not alive anymore, I would say Patrice O'Neill. Have you watched Patrice? Yeah, I've seen him before, yeah. You, you've seen his special, The Elephant in the Room? I don't think I've seen that one. You really should. To me, I'll check me, it out. It's one of the best stand-up specials ever. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, I feel like he just hit, and it's not like he did subjects that other comics didn't cover before. He just hit him right on the head. Right. Each time I watched him, I was like, fuck. That was yeah. so perfect. And uh, him and I have a history. We used, I used to sleep on his couch 24 years ago. Wow. That's crazy. Well, that's an easy name to remember. So as far as the elephant in the room, so I'm going to look that up and watch it because I'm a huge fan of comedy, man. I love the intimacy of like going to a comedy club and you're just sitting in the audience. The comedian's right there in front of you. And it's like, you're going to just laugh and have a great time or, you know, whatever the case is just, it's just such an intimate setting. And I just, I, I love seeing people perform so close, you know, and I'm not like into plays and shit like that, but like comedy, like I can dig, I can dig it. You know I mean? I can, I can have a few whiskey, whiskey sodas and, and enjoy some laughs. Well, when you when I see you next week, we'll have some whiskeys together. Yeah, yeah, again, yeah, we'll do it again, man. Like have a little reunion. And then we'll roll around a little bit. But I'm gonna make you wear a gi because I'm 50 years old. You're killing me, man. You'll probably kill me with a gi, man. What, what are you, a brown belt no, or something? Blue belt. Don't worry, I'm just a little. I'm a little wee blue belt with three stripes. Blue belt, three stripes. though? you're getting there. You're getting there. Yeah, I think purple's around the corner. I just gotta get my ass in there more often. All right, when I get to LA, we'll roll and then we'll go out and and meet up again and then. Uh, and then when you come to Thailand, you come to Phuket, check out the gym, and then I'll show yep. you the islands and, and all the cool fun stuff that you missed in Bangkok. You can show me how to kick. I have no kicks at yeah. all. <laughs> all right, done. Oh my, my kicking ability looks like, uh, <laughs> if you ever seen the movie Midnight Run? Yeah. <laughs> there's a scene where the mob guy's about. on the phone, and the other mob guy's just bothering him while he's on the phone, and he throws a kick. And it looks horrible. That's exactly what my kicks look like. Oh, my God. We'll, we'll work on it, man. We'll get your kicks dialed in before you leave. But, man, hey, listen, I, I, gr I greatly appreciate it, man. I know, I know your time is so valuable, man. And I appreciate you taking the time out to finally do this podcast. And, uh, and I've been promising you for two years. It's, am, I, am I not consistent, though? I'm consistent, huh? No, but listen, that's, that's why you're a successful person because you will not let it slide you you're like nah, nah motherfucker i'm doing this i'm like you know you what break. i appreciate your determination I'm, I'm a hustler man and i appreciate it i appreciate you caving into me come on anytime I, I always wanted to do it i just never had i just i just didn't make it happen because i'm a fucking idiot sometimes no man you're awesome man i love your work and i uh, look forward to, to seeing more and, and meeting up with you in la or meeting up with you in thailand love the bed hope hopefully you can somehow manage to reduce the size and get it in your new place and and she can finally use it hide. look at that thing that thing is huge man it's like a house <laughs> so crazy <laughs> look it's got all kinds of cubby holes in there that's what you said i know i can't believe it's exactly how you described it on your comedy special it's crazy yeah i don't make half the shit up on my special apparently not. Real life. yeah <laughs> good job yeah all right well you take care man have a good night and uh i'll talk to you soon thanks buddy all right bro take care Come on, cop. All right, Russell Peters finally got him on the podcast. As you heard, I was uh, very consistent. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not like super harassing, but like I really wanted Russell on the podcast. We met back in 2017, and like I said before, and uh, 
he, I'm a big fan of his, and and I just really wanted to get him on here. He's he's obviously done the big the big podcast, the Joe Rogan podcast, many times, hot boxing with Mike Tyson, and obviously he, he he's had so much success. He's had every success you can have as a comedian, films and and TV shows and everything else. So it was cool to to have a good 45 minute conversation with him and and talk about uh, his job and and fighting and shockingly that we've been to a lot of the same places at like down to the same buildings and like places like Iraq, which is pretty crazy. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I hope you guys enjoy the conversation a little different, uh, not a fighter this time, but I love talking to everybody and I love talking to anyone interesting that, that, um, you know, they can have a good conversation with and, and he's definitely one of them. So if you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment, let us know what you think. We definitely love the comments and responding, and uh, yeah, we appreciate all the support. You guys are supporting us so much. You're boosting us out to your friends. We're growing really fast. Uh, we, we appreciate that tremendously. Uh, if you're listening to us on the audio platform, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, you can, uh, you can subscribe or, or follow us there as well. I think you can leave reviews on most of those um, platforms um, also. We appreciate the support. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time.